Welcome to Didache, where we are studying to show ourselves approved, rightly dividing the word of truth so we can worship God in spirit and truth, deepening our knowledge of God, thereby enabling us to deepen our love for God. Here is your host, Justin Peters. Which man? You. He preaches a poem. God bless you. This is a true promise, though. This is a true... Don't get me with your crutch. I'm just trying to bless you. Welcome to the program, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Justin Peters. I hope that this finds you and your family doing well today. I want to thank you so much for joining me. So, 10 years ago, I confronted Todd Bentley to his face at a church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And uh, hard to believe it's been 10 years, but I am regularly asked about the backstory of what actually happened on that night. And um, the video has been up on YouTube for, I guess, almost the whole 10 years. But um, never really the backstory. I've never really talked about it publicly. And so um, since so many people have asked me, and since it's the 10 year anniversary, I thought, well, I'll just do a video to give you the backstory so you can know exactly what happened, exactly what transpired. Did I actually try to hit Todd Bentley with my crutch? <laughs> and uh, so I think this next hour or so will be interesting for you. I have asked Mike Miller to come on the program and join me. I'm going to, he and I are going to be talking about this evening. Now, Mike Miller was with me and uh, I didn't know this until actually just a couple of years ago, but the video that is on YouTube of me confronting Todd Bentley, he actually recorded that video himself. He was on the other side of the sanctuary and uh, the video quality is not great, but this was 10 years ago. He, he, uh, I learned in the video that he was using a Blackberry. Uh, so the video quality is not great, but you can, you can see and you can hear uh, exactly what happened. So he and I are going to talk about it. Um, he's going to give you his perspective on things, and, and I am. And uh, I actually learned some myself uh, just having done this interview. Actually, just a few minutes ago, I finished recording it, and I'm recording the intro now for it. So um, I learned a few things, actually, in the video. So Mike Miller's a great guy. He's a pastor in Sand Springs, Oklahoma. He's an accountant by trade. That is his tent-making job, but he is an, he's a pastor, first and foremost, of Grace Family Bible Church in Sand Springs, Oklahoma, uh, outside of Tulsa. And I will put the link to his church down below in the description. And uh, he's just a great, great guy. He is on my board of directors, and he has been, um, well, for over 10 years. Um, and he's just become a good friend. He and I have traveled to many places together internationally. We've made a number of trips together. So I, I have a, a great deal of love and respect for Mike Miller, really good guy. So anyway, without any further delay, uh, here is um, me and Mike Miller talking about that time I confronted Todd Bentley. And by the way, uh, we will also talk about Mike Bickle. We're going to talk about him as well and some of the issues related to all of this. So um, thank you very much. Without any further delay, here's the interview. Well, Mike, brother, thank you so much for joining me. How are you today? I'm good. I, I appreciate the opportunity always to uh, to talk to you and see how you're doing up in the great white north. So Yes, indeed. Indeed, Mike. Well, we became friends, what, back in 2011? 11? Yeah, I think 11. Yeah. Well, I had seen uh, one of your seminars at a Wretched Radio 
conference back in I want to say 2010 or nine. Uh huh. And um, I don't know if you remember, I had reached out to you about um, Hagee on a text message. Oh, that's right, John Hagee. Yep. Yes, because you know, I I I inherited a, a large collection of Hagee books prior to my conversion because my whole entire family thought Hagee was a fantastic prophet, the bishop uh. of America or something. So <laughs> I asked you a question about Hagee, and we got into a conversation, and it turned into. Uh, you know, you should come to Tulsa and 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 do a, a seminar in Tulsa sometime. Yeah, yeah. So we met. If you remember, we went. We tracked ORU's campus. We right. talked to students there. Yep. And uh, we talked about the possibility of going to Africa. But when we had the conference, it, and remember, I I had an online friend, Bill, Pastor Bill, in Uganda, and yeah. I asked Paul Washer. For advice on how best to help Bill, because I knew that Bill had some some challenges theologically. His background was coming from Islam into the charismatic movement almost immediately. Mm, yeah. Washer's uh, advice was to go see him. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, well, you know, why not drag Justin to Africa and let's go see him together? Yeah, <laughs> so that's how that happened. And then, of course, Bill was open for it, and you know that that whole story. That's how we that's how we met, and. Yeah. Um, you know, from there, there was the second conference, of course, that we did a few years later. And uh, in the middle of that was the Todd Bentley thing. You wanted to. Yes, that is right. That is right. Yeah, you and I have been on several international trips together, yes. preaching together. We've been to um, the India. Philippines, we've yeah. been to India, we've been to Uganda, of course. And, and we almost had Japan, but Japan fell through. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we've had some interesting experiences. We yeah. we uh in Uganda we stayed in a in a basically a renovated prison. Yes, a, Chibuku. A yes. Chibuku jail. Chibu- what was it? Chibuku? Chibuku. I think it's Chibuku. Chibuku. I think the name of the village was Chibuku. Chibuku jail. Yes. I think it was a jail. It wasn't called, but it just was called hotel. If I remember right. No, 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 well, it's no name. Just check hotel. in, but you can't check out. Yeah, well, yeah. they could lock you in there pretty easily. Oh yeah, the doors the locked side. from the outside. Yeah, yeah. yes. A little the little food trough. Yes. Down and give you your gruel in the morning. Yes, so. I, yeah. That that didn't give me a lot of warm fuzzies as I realized yeah. what we were walking into. So, but we each had our own cell, so that was nice. That's true. That is true. <laughs> and there was mosquito nets, so I was thinking a mosquito net and a bed. No running water. Um, no. Yeah, running so. out of a jerry can, perhaps. Right. Yeah. 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 That's right. Tom Bodet was not there keeping the light on for us. Oh, no. <laughs> oh. All right. Well, Mike. Um, mm-hmm. So let's. It is hard to believe, but it has been ten years since you and I crashed <laughs> the Todd Bentley meeting. Um. Now, the way I remember this coming about, I, at the time, Kathy and I were living in Edmond, and of course, you're in Sand Springs, yeah. Oklahoma, uh, outside of Tulsa. And um, I saw this on television, and I, I was watching it, and I remember someone, one of the staff members, making the comment that uh, this was being live-streamed on the internet, and he said that there were people in 77 countries, I think, yeah. watching um, the services live every night. And when I heard that, I thought, huh, 
Well, this is just up in Tulsa, a couple hours down the road. If it's being live streamed, what a great opportunity to call Todd Bentley out when they can't do anything about it. I mean, they can't, you know, it's going out live, so well, they, they can't. They were going to take invitations from people, so it was an it was a great opportunity for that. Yeah. yeah. So, and we had heard about he was coming to Tulsa, and he hadn't, to my knowledge, he hadn't been in Tulsa before. And that particular church, you know, they had been. And I don't know the direct relationship between them and ORU or the other charismatic churches there. What was the name of the church, by the way? Uh, river something. I think it's changed since then. It's right. Okay. It's right next to the Arkansas River. Um, that particular group, a lot of them were <clears throat> Assembly of God people. Obviously, there's a lot of charismatics there, but not not necessarily a lot of extreme views is within that's within that theological circle in other words there weren't a lot of todd bentley people there in that church because a, a lot of those are older people that had grown up under oru's tutelage and for bentley to come with the biker boots that was an escalation and we had heard about it from a from a, a person who was a member of our church at the time um and he's he was sort of in the i guess you could say the on the YouTube side of things. And he, he understood it stuff. And he, he, he had suggested the possibility. He, he, he's the one initially told me, Hey, Todd Bentley's coming to Tulsa. You know, you, you should guys should go watch it, you know, and see if it's as bad as we had seen on the videos, because we had, we had watched some of those videos uh, before together. Uh-huh. And so then you heard about it. And then yeah. one thing led to another. And <laughs> right. We brought Jacob, my son with, with us to that. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Event. That's right. Yeah, and it, it was it was quite a show because it the, and the video doesn't capture it, but we had been there for a, quite a while. They sang I think three or four songs over and over and yes. over and over again until they got the whipped the spirits up, and then there was the ladies up front who were going into their into their mode before they took the invitation. That invitation that they did was at the very end of yeah the evening, right. And so you were on one side, as you're looking at the pulpit, you were on the uh, right side. I was yeah. on the extreme, like, northwest side of the sanctuary. I, was, I remember I was on the front row all the way over to the left in a chair. I uh, had the row to myself. There was nobody else on that yeah. row. But uh, as you said, the service went on for hours. and um, And I had just about talked myself out of it. Uh, Mike, I I thought, okay, am I really going to do this? Because I, you know, I was going to go up and call him out. I'm really going to do this. I just about talked myself out of it, and then just kind of I'm like, all right, I'm doing it. So I I stood up and I and I walked up behind him. And the first thing is the think of the irony that we are in a room full of three or four hundred charismatics prophets, prophets, yes, prophets, no less. Um, all of whom claim that God speaks to them directly right. on a regular basis. Todd Bentley gets words of knowledge from God about everybody that comes up to him. You know, God's God's this little chatty Kathy doll, and and Todd Bentley hears him with crystal clear clarity all the time. And yet God did not. And he not, has the entity. Do you remember he has Emma? He has the entity. Oh, that's right. Yeah, the female angel, right. Emma, that started the Lakeland revival, right? Yeah. Yes. Never mind that there are no female angels in the Bible, but hey, let's go with it. There's only, there's uh, only one. <laughs> right. And but God did not apparently bother to give him a heads up about what I was about to do to him. 
that that's the and nor did he give anybody else in that room a heads up about what I was about to do. Perhaps all the real prophets stayed home that night. Yes. If they had come, they would right. Right. <laughs> Must have. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they were not hitting on all their prophetic cylinders that right. night. Um so so Mike, this video is on the internet and I literally did not know until not too long ago that that you're the one who recorded this. Yeah. So you're on the other side of the sanctuary. You recorded it. And um, to this day, I don't even know. I found it on a YouTube channel called Exposing Charlatans, but I don't even know how did how did this video even get on the Internet? Well, if you remember, when we first when we were first there, I, we were in the very back because we were sort of scoping out the, the territory. And then when you moved up forward during the invitation, I I came around to the right side. I was the only side that there was enough to see anything up front happening. Um, and when we, we got the video taken, I sent it over uh, to one of the other church members, the guy that had talked about, you know, you know, Todd Bentley's coming to town. He's the one that initially posted it. And from there, it had been, it's been reposted quite a few times, if I remember. I've seen it a couple different times in different areas of, of YouTube. Um huh. You know, and you know, it was on my phone. It wasn't the best recording, <laughs> right? But I didn't think bringing well, a big camera into there would have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and this was ten years ago, so it's uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Cameras weren't That's, what they are. I had now. a BlackBerry at the time. A BlackBerry, okay. <laughs> that was the last customer. For sure. All right. Well, um, Mike, I'm going to play this video, and uh, okay. we'll watch it, and uh, and then we'll we'll talk a little bit about it. Sure. Okay. Name and Jesus will look at them and he said, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. This man is a worker of iniquity. Which man? You. He preaches a well, God bless you. This is a true promise, though. This is a true. Don't get me with your crutch. I'm just trying to bless you. Well, thank you, sir. I'm not giving you my anointing because I have nothing to give. Thank you. The gospel is not about just bless him and just pray and hallelujah. So, anyways, if you would like the text 67076 and just send a message, get ignited. You can be on that list. We just bless our friend tonight. You know that is a true scripture, by the way. That is a true scripture. If you do not know the Lord in intimacy. You can do miracles, you can move in power, you can move in signs and wonders, but we really do need to know Jesus. And I just thank God for our friends here tonight. And we just pray and bless them. Hallelujah. How many of you have come ready to receive and you're happy tonight? Okay, so... <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I walked up behind him, and, um, and then he... And I'm glad he was down on the floor, not up on the platform, because I couldn't climb the steps. But he was down on the floor. I walked up behind him, and of course, he sensed that I was there. He turned around and he and he saw me. And and what didn't get recorded was the very first part of the interaction. But he um, he looked at me and he said, "Well, I'm going to pray for you." Meaning, when he saw me on my crutches, yeah. he assumed I was up there to be healed. Yeah. And he said, well, I'll pray for you later, referring to, you know, when they have the healing line and all that. And then I said, 
<laughs> I said, I have a word. Do you remember that? Could you hear me yeah, say that? I, yeah, I do. And and I think one thing that's happened with the video over the years is that I think there's a front part of it that isn't on that particular clip. Uh huh. You know, but I do I do remember that. And then he, uh, you know, I I figured he couldn't resist like, any crippled person for the invitation. <laughs> so right. You were a right. shoe in to get up front. Um, yeah. But I think if I remember right, he, he said something about, you know, for you not to touch him with your, like you were going to bash yeah. Todd Bentley with your crutches. Right. <laughs> right. So when he's, when he said, when I said, I have a word and I remember he said, is it a good word? Yes. And then he put the microphone in front of my face, you know, like, <laughs> and so when he put the microphone in front of me, that's when I quoted Matthew seven. 21 through 23, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons, perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. And then I said, this man is a worker of iniquity. And he said, which man? I said, you. This man is a worker of iniquity. Which man? You. And and then he said that line, well, don't hit me with your crutch. (laughs) This is the truth. Don't take it with your crutch. Well, what what he meant by that, so I'm standing there on my crutches. And Mike, you and I are cessationists. We're not mystical kind of people. But I can tell you that being standing next to Todd Bentley was palpably dark. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I, I, you know, the thing is, even that entire room was disturbing yes you know um mm-hmm. you know and you know I, i've been to and i'm sure you have well you know like if you go to you know new orleans at night you know during mardi gras to hand out tracks you'll feel that you're not in a great yeah, place yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. you know there's no mm-hmm. i have no doubt that emma was was present yeah emma, <laughs> so probably was. Was, emma was there with todd yeah uh, th- it was definitely this wasn't just a a minor difference in some theology issues. This isn't, you know, Baptists and Presbyterians arguing over infant baptism or on their view of eschatology. This mm-hmm. was something sinister. Yeah. Yeah. Know, not a disagreement, a minor disagreement. Right. This is very sinister. Right. Yeah. Right. I, I I believe without any hyperbole, and I don't say this about all of the word faith preachers, but I, I believe without any hyperbole, two of them for sure are demon possessed. Todd Bentley and Kenneth Copeland. Yeah. I believe they're both genuinely demon possessed. But standing there, that guy was, was, it was all I could do to stand next to him. You know how when you put two magnets together, the same pole, and they just repel from each other? Yeah. I don't know what he was feeling, but that's, that's the way I felt. I mean, everything in me wanted to get away from the guy. And, and when he, he, the reason he said, don't hit me with your crutch, is because he actually reached out. You can't see this on the camera, but he reached out with his hand to touch me, and I instinctively just kind of raised my arm in a in a defensive position. I wasn't about to swing at him. I just like I just kind of raised like, dude, don't don't touch yeah. me. I don't want you to touch me. Yeah. And then he said, <laughs> I don't, don't want to get any Emma rubbing off on my on my shirt. Um, and and I think one thing that's also stark to remember about that is this particular group of individuals. You know because. You know they've been in Tulsa for a long time, and this church has taken different different names and different shapes over the years. But they don't normally have a Todd Bentley type of situation 
you know, the, from my experience in Tulsa, usually when they their sermons are about your feelings, about your finding your inner Jesus, you know, finding a lot of self-help talk, a lot of, you know, moral platitudes, but not usually people on the ground flopping around like a fish or any of that. So this was a, this was an escalation for them. And to my knowledge, Todd Bentley has not been back there. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know for sure, but not yeah. that I've ever heard. We're even necessarily back to Tulsa. Well, so this I, was 2014. So this yeah. was six years after the Lakeland revival that started in 2008. So he was already a well-known. Yeah. You know, he was an up-and-coming star for sure. Yeah. You know, but we, there were already the clips of him uh, claiming that he was, God told him to kick an elderly woman in the face. Oh, yeah. And I'm thinking, God, why is not the power of God moving? He said, because you haven't kicked that woman in the face. And there's this older lady worshiping right in front of the platform. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me. The gift of faith came on me. He said, kick her in the face with your biker boot. I inched closer and I went like this. And just as my boot made contact with her nose, she fell into the power of God. Like all that was well, well circulated. Everybody knew that about him. He had already left his wife, yeah, his handicapped wife named yeah. Jonah, I think. And uh, you know, probably didn't look real good for a faith healer to be married to a woman who was handicapped. Yeah. And so he he left her yeah. and then married this woman, um, Jessa Jenna. Uh, married this yeah. woman with whom he was having, he was having an affair back in 2008. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was more popular then than he is now for sure. You know, yeah. as far as within those circles, but you know, this was a, a definitive escalation for that particular right. church. As far as I could tell. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and shame on that church for inviting him because like I said, I mean, okay. his, he had already been exposed as an adulterer, a drunk, Right. sexually immoral uh, back six years before. Yeah. Shame on them for having was, him come. And he was the up and coming star. And, you know, there's only so many times a person can go and, you know, one of the sad things about some of the charismatic churches is, you know, they talk a lot about sometimes raising the dead and, you know, the personal power, but there is no power. There's no, no personal power. No. And no. so, if you're in a place where it's constant moral platitudes, eventually, and you hear about the, you know this, here's this superhero like figure who's, you know, got an angel that helps him. You know, mm -hmm. why not invite them? Right. Get the power going on. Right. Know? And unfortunately, right. it's the wrong kind of power. Yeah. And I, I don't really remember afterwards. We had some interesting conversations with those individuals that were politely okay. escorting us from the building. <laughs> yeah, I want to, yeah, we did. And I want to ask you about that too. Yeah. Um, but then, then you hear, see on the clip, he said, uh, he said something interesting. He said, quote, I'm not giving you my anointing because I have nothing to give. Well, thank you, sir. I'm not giving you my anointing because I have nothing to give. That has always struck me as an odd thing for him to say, because the Bible teaches that all Christians have an anointing, right? First uh, John two twenty seven. The the anointing that we receive from Christ abides in us, and yet he said, "I'm not giving you my anointing because I have nothing to give." In other words, I don't have an anointing. It's like, 
Well, that's true. Sometimes they're accidentally correct. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, uh, and the ultimate irony. Yeah. You know, and and I think with some of these individuals and their and their collaboration with this kind of evil, while they may not be very theologically in tune with reality, I think the demonic entities that surround them understand mm -hmm. some of these things. And, uh, and and sure. Lord knows how that's going to sure. turn out. The, the, la the And then you weren't with me at this particular time, but there was a time downtown in Tulsa. I was out witnessing, and I had been praying for God to send a difficult person mm -hmm. to witness to. I don't know. It was not a good idea. But, it, I mean, in a way it was, and I had one. And, the, and this guy, he was chock full of demons crazy. He was claiming to be Christ, mm -hmm. you know. And in our in my dialogue with this individual, as I was witnessing to him, he was saying things that clearly he didn't understand. I understood what he was getting at, and I have uh -huh. no doubt that his Emma was the one that was doing some of the communicating. And he eventually left in a tirade, screaming and yelling and running off. I mean, it was bizarre. Wow. wow. So <clears throat> there are other Todd Bentleys out there. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. and yep. Sometimes they're randomly walking down the street. There are. There are indeed. But, yeah. Yeah, I don't know how much of Todd was really, how much he was thinking about. He was, I was going to respond. It's a weird comment. It was a weird uh, comment for him to make. It was. It and was very ironically weird. true. And then he, then he turned around. You can kind of see on the film. There's some other, a couple other guys there, and and there, one of them had grabbed my arm. Yeah, he was trying to pull me away. And of course, I'm standing on my crutches, and if you pull my arm away from, it's like pulling my legs out from under me, you know. And down goes Fraser, and I, I told him, I said, "You're gonna make me fall," and he just he kept doing it. But I'm um, then as he turned around, as Todd Bentley turned around, you can kind of hear it in the background. I was trying to, I was saying, the gospel is not about money. The gospel is not about healing. Yeah. Thank you. Just bless him and just pray. Hallelujah trying to preach the true gospel and then and then they escorted mm -hmm. us out escorted me out anyway yeah. and yeah. and you followed me right i was trying to get out there as quickly as i could so <laughs> there was a lot of people and they're all standing up in the way and as you were going down the aisleway and you were you were talking to people you know they were there was sort of a, a it was kind of loud you know i couldn't hear everything that you were saying but i could get the gist of it and then they had a whole group of like I guess church slash ushers that were coming in from the sidelines, you know. And um, I met them when I met you back at the end outside the sanctuary. Yeah, that's when they sort of handed us off to the to the two individuals we talked to. If you remember, yeah, they yeah, were not particularly thrilled. No, yeah, I remember <laughs> as they were walking me out, got out of the sanctuary into the foyer there. And I saw a, a man, young man in a wheelchair, a yeah. quadriplegic, severely, severely involved, you know, um, not just physically, but mentally too. I'm pretty confident, you know, obviously severely disabled, handicapped. And, um, and I can remember, I kind of lifted my crutch up and pointed at him. And I said to the people escorting me out, I said, where's that man's miracle? Yeah. And, um, of course they didn't have an answer and walked out as I recall And the, the police showed up, right. Right. They as we instantaneously called the police. Yeah. 
<laughs> I know. I mean, it's, it was all of this happened within just a couple of minutes and yeah, five, 10 minutes tops after three hours of sitting there, you yeah. know, and, and what was interesting about that is, you know, when you, when you, in a, in a church service, when you do an invitation, you know, that isn't necessarily something that you call the police about if it doesn't go well. Right. <laughs> I mean, we didn't have anybody walk the aisles. Where's 911? This wasn't Joel Olstein's church with a tragedy that happened the other day. This was an individual who, you know, he said he had a word. There was no promise that the word was going to be a positive one. Right. That's not any kind of crime. No. That's not and a like, threat. That's not an implied threat. That's not, a, there's no need. Wow. And, and it's not like you came in, you know, like Hulk Hogan uh-uh. as a potentially, you know, like you're a danger to Todd Bentley. Okay. Yeah. I know. I mean, despite the ominous crutch. Right. I mean, I'm literally standing there on my crutches. What did they think I was going to do? I mean, they beat somebody. Cast lightning up. down. Perhaps. Yeah. I mean, my goodness. Yeah. A turtle could outrun me. It, it reinforced to me that, you know, the Bible talks about how the wicked are afraid to go out on the street because there's a lion. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. yeah. And the righteous are bold. And you you can see some of that, just a little bit of pushback in person, unexpected. Mm-hmm. And if those individuals, the ushers, could have got away with manhandling you out of that place, they would have. Yeah. You know, and and the only reason that they didn't yeah. is because one, you didn't you didn't physically resist them, and then two, you had crutches. If it had been me up there, you know, they probably would have you know drugged me out of there on a rail a lot yeah. more violently. Um. But they couldn't do that, you know, you in front of their 500, you know, right. disciples. I mean, that would have looked terrible. Right. And dragging a person with crutches out of the place. Right. Um, <laughs> but it shows the overreaction that you see with the wicked. And that's why, you know, when I, when if you're, if a person's engaged in any kind of evangelism or outreach out there, when you get involved in it, you need to understand that you're not going to be treated the same way as if you were hawking hot dogs. You know, if you're out in the street selling, giving away coupons to, come to a restaurant and somebody doesn't like it, they're, you're not really in any danger. Okay. Mm-hmm. But if you're out there sharing the gospel, there is danger. And right. you, you, you know, understand that that exists. Yeah. You know, and that, you know, that opposition is spiritual. You know, it's not, it's not even a political, it's not a political opposition. It's far, far darker than anything like that. So, yeah. You know. 100%. 100%. And uh, so, you we got outside. The police officers showed up. Lights flashing, and um, as I recall, he said um, something to the effect of, uh, "Sir, if if you don't leave, you're going to be arrested." Um, something to that effect. Yeah. And I I said no problem. I'm I'm headed to my truck and walked out to it. And um, and then as I was getting in the truck, then this lady came up behind me. And uh, a black lady, and she very kind, and she said, uh, "Sir, are you okay?" And um, I'm kind of climbing in my truck, and I said, "I said yes, ma'am. I'm I'm fine. Um, I have a clear conscience about this." And and she said, "Well, I was in there too, and I saw everything." And she said, "I just had an uneasy feeling about what was going on," and and um, and um, so uh, she was. She was very kind, and I wish I, yeah. I wish I had been able to get her contact information. But she knew something was wrong. And yeah, she could tell it. And but the officer was also there, and he was, you know, kind of 
he he immediately went into obedience compliance mode when there was no there was never any resistance to leaving the place oh. you know so normally a police officer you know a professional one would come in and say you know what's happening before they trespass a person there wasn't even even dialogue yeah. from from him as to what even happened or why you were there or no. anything no. like that oh. I mean I think with the woman I think that reinforces my gut instinct on it was that this particular church was in some ways caught off guard by what some of them had invited in to that congregation because you know I had we had gone years before when I was a, a baby Christian to a not that particular place, but another place that's closely associated with it where they had a, a Christian concert we had been invited to, okay, mm-hmm. before I knew any better. We go to this Christian concert, and it was those same individuals, I'm sure, okay? And the concert was terrible, of course, but it wasn't a Todd Bentley concert. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I, I, my my impression, especially after she came out, and I think that was providential, was that there was a lot of individuals in there who were going along for the ride. They had no discernment. Mm-hmm. Um I'm not saying that, you know, and it's not, we're not privy to whether or not there were any sheep in there, but there were individuals there that were definitely had no expectation, I think, of what had come in to that, to that. Yeah. Yeah. I I think you're right. I think there were some people there in the congregation that were not aware of, of who Todd Bentley was, uh, probably how dark he is, but um, the leadership. The leadership oh, of that yeah. church has no excuse. Of course, no. no, no, absolutely not. And I think that really reinforces also the danger in that when people who are not talking about necessarily genuine Christians, but people who profess Christ drop all discernment, you can end up with some very dangerous things happening theologically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Far worse than what, you know, again, far worse than a secondary theological issue or even an excess or even, you know, there was, there's a church in Sand Springs that had a, a, a deal where they can, they were mad at us for handing out tracks or something at a festival. I don't know why. Right. But mm. they were giving away training classes on raising the dead. <laughs> you know, that's, yeah. That's not that's a very awesome. good discipleship class. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, no. And, and not a successful one. And, but if you take that theology to its natural conclusion, you're going to end up, with some Todd Bentley like individuals and behavior, because we're, we're also going to go when yeah. you're not, when you have the raising the dead class and nobody's raised from the dead, you're going to have to have something else happening. Right. You know, to keep the hype up, you know, that's right. so many like dinners you can have. That's, that's exactly right. And, um, and I've heard John MacArthur say this before. And I thought it was a fascinating insight that, that um, the charismatic movement is doubt looking for proof. Yeah. Doubt looking for proof. And the the truth of the matter is, is that there are large, large masses of people within the charismatic movement who are riddled with doubts about yeah. what they believe, what they claim to believe. They're riddled with doubts of what, about the, what they're being told from the pulpit. And so in, a, in an effort to satiate these doubts, to kind of, kind of put those doubts to bed. That's why they're constantly searching after the next buzz, the next experience, the next dream, the next vision, the next, the next hero, the next, the next hero. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of that kind of idol worship thing. And, and, we, and it's not just in America. We saw the same thing in Africa. You know, there were, Bill told us about how the churches compete with one another to have the spirit by being as louder 
as they can, you know, so to speak. Yeah. You know, whoever's allowed us has the spirit. That's right. It's it's the doubt comes out when there the presumptions don't play out. So if if you're promised right. healing and you've done everything that you can and you've given money sacrificially, you've even borrowed against your house to give money, and then you still get rickets or you know, yep. di- you know, diabetes or something. Right. A lot of these individuals, they will, they will get very angry with God, mm-hmm. very bitter against God for not keeping his end of the deal, or they get, they become very self-flagellating. Like they're really, you know, yeah. it's me. It's something that I did 40 years ago before I was a Christian, right. you know, God can't forgive me. And yeah. they, they start doubting the promises of God. And it, it, it makes a very, it's a very depressing thing to see it happen. It happened with my uncle and, and other people that I've known that were heavily esteemed in that movement. Mm-hmm. It, again, presumption, you can presume upon God all the time, all over the place with that. God's not going to change what, how he operates. Yeah. Satisfy a person's sure. lust or doubts or mm-hmm. that's you know, God's the one that's in charge. He does what he wants to do. He doesn't do what man demands that he do. That's right. There's a lot of that. He's not our cosmic bellhop. No. And he's not a Santa Claus-like figure that we can placate with a few trinkets of the flesh. And a a lot of that is trying to placate God with trinkets of the flesh, you know, as if $77.77 for 77 months will mandate that God must now heal my Um, cancerous bunion. (laughs) Right. Right. I know. Yeah, I, I wish uh, I wish I had a running tally of how many emails, how many people I've talked to, who have told me that either they themselves or their parents or their grandparents have basically given almost some in some cases yeah. literally everything they had to the man of God, yeah. because you sow a seed, reap a harvest. In fact, Todd Bentley, right after you can see in this clip, right when. Um, he turned away from me. Like the next words out of his mouth were text, uh, text your gift to whatever number, you know, and you can text your offering to whatever. Uh, so anyways, if you would like the text 67076 and just send a message, get ignited. You can be on that list. Um, so, I mean, th- that's also how they measure their success is by the financial yeah. benefits from mm-hmm. these activities and what's dangerous for for genuine christian groups that maybe are not as biblical as they ought to be is that some of this does bleed over and mm-hmm. you'll you'll see you know conservative churches presbyterian and baptist churches sometimes mm-hmm. that they don't they don't go as far as a todd bentley thing but what they will do is they'll measure their success mm-hmm. uh, by the you know financial fruit in the church budget you know, is the church sure. running in black? Is, you know, how many people came to Sunday school this Sunday compared to last Sunday? How many people came to church this Sunday as compared to last Sunday? Right. The donations more this Sunday than last Sunday. And you'll see that they'll put up a board and they'll have all the statistics on there. And that's irrelevant. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely yeah. relevant. Right. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. 100%. Yeah. Influence is dangerous. Yeah. For non charismatic people. Yeah, absolutely. Certainly is. And, you know, with with Todd Bentley, Mike, and and I want to. Was there anyone else? Uh, was there another conversation? I think you had mentioned a couple. There was that lady. Was there someone else inside the church foyer before we left? I was talking with two of the usher people 
about, you know, and they're, I wouldn't say that their conversation was cogent because they were so angry, you know, that the, what was coming out of them was, was not great. Um, mm. it's not oh. profanity necessarily, but, but, um, as you were talking with the one woman that had the, I think he had a developmentally disabled person or something. Yeah. Yeah. These other individuals were there and they were very offended. And I was trying to explain within the one or two minutes that we had, you know, the danger of yeah. what they were doing. You know? Yeah. Hmm. wasn't much it wasn't much of a conversation because again you know the the immediate response was you know right unbelievable anger right <laughs> it would describe right. it yeah. Yeah. yeah so well i i hope i hope by god's grace um what we did that night bore some fruit because there were people watching all over the world okay. and they saw it happen live and uh so Hopefully, by God's grace, there were some of his sheep out there that, that saw that and, and maybe, maybe you know, got I a little so. heads up and warning about who Todd Bentley is. And, and, and Mike, too, one of the things that we see, and, and Jude describes false teachers this way. Peter describes false teachers the same way. They are marked by not only greed, but they are also, their lives are also marked by immorality. Right. And and we see that with Todd Bentley. Uh, we've seen it very recently with Mike Bickle, and that's still in the news a lot. In fact, some, just in the last few days, as of this recording, some very, very, very disturbing stuff has come out with Mike Bickle that he was he was sexually abusing minors yeah. as a married man. I mean, just like I can't even wrap my mind around that. And, but we see this is, this is part and parcel for false teachers because by definition, a false teacher is not regenerate, right? There is no indwelling of the Holy spirit. And so therefore there is no restraint on their flesh. Right. Yeah. And even if they are religious in an external sense, in terms of the do not taste, not touch, not sort of, sort of attitude, we know from Colossians that it has no power over the flesh. And so one of the individuals that's one of the elders in, in those that group of churches in Tulsa that's sort of affiliated with that university, he's infamous in town for being pulled over for DUIs. You know, yeah. usually it doesn't even get to the paper anymore. But for a while, I mean, there were several, you know, and, and police officer friends of mine have told us, told me about it. Like, oh, yeah, we constantly, constantly, and we'll just call somebody to come get him, you know. And there's there's no resistance because there's no spirit there that's able to resist the flesh it's just a question of what flesh entices them the most and so some of them get into sexual immorality some of them get into just the avarice the greed of constantly trying to get more mm -hmm. extravagant lifestyles you know and you see it with the way that they live they're they're unrestrained uh yeah. their their religion is vain in that context you know it has no power that's right and yep. um you know the real danger for for the church at large is that, you know, undiscerning people, baby Christians and, and whatnot that are, they come into those denominations looking for truth. Mm -hmm. you know, they get led into some of those and, and the, God will, you know, if God saves them, he'll pull them out of it. But this, there's a lot of damage that's done oh. by those individuals, you know? So the, yeah. and the worst thing that we can do as, as genuine believers is to not, say anything you know to 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 not 
confront this evil and expose it to the light of God's word, you know, and uh, my, my uncle who's now deceased for years, everyone in the family knew that he was, he was way out there in the word of faith stuff, even beyond. Okay. He had an apostle ring on one finger. He had a prophet ring on the other finger. You know, he was, you know, he, he, he told me that he believed he was on the 12 foundation stones. Okay. No one told him the truth for years until I was able to talk to him and told the truth. He did not accept the truth at all. It's a very belligerently unfriendly about when I told him, but at least somebody told him. At least somebody told him, brother. You know, so, you know, for I mean, Todd Bentley didn't repent. No. <laughs> and we don't know if that lady did or other people that were there saw and maybe they were they were being bothered because maybe maybe there's some baby Christians there that were drugged into this because that can happen. Yeah, it can. At this yeah. may, you know, but, you know, we're we're called to be heralds. And part of that process is the uncomfortable reality that sometimes you're going to have to confront somebody over their bad theology. And, you know, it that could that may turn out to be not very comfortable. You know, we were out witnessing one time, me and another friend, and it's the only time that I've ever felt like a person might get punched. And it was a it was a group of Rhema Bible students, and all my friend did was give him a track. And the guy lost it. <laughs> he drew back on him like he was gonna hit him. You know, how dare you question me? You know, I, I go to Rhema Bible school. I mean, it was it was unbelievable anger. Wow. Over, you know. And I told him, I said, well, we can't tell if you went to Raymond Bible School or not. We just, there was people coming out of a restaurant we gave you a track to. And uh, he said some choice words. If somebody were to walk up and give me a track, I would, I would welcome that. I would love that, you know, because that's, hey, wow, you're, you're a believer. Let's, you know, let's talk about that. And um, so, boy, that, that kind of anger reaction, that's, uh, that's quite telling. Yeah, Somebody gives you gospel track and you react while drawing back on him. Yeah, he he was angry. I, I think the only reason he didn't hit him is because there was a bunch of people around watching and his friends kind of held him back. And um, another time we went to, um, I don't remember if it was Joyce Myers who came to Tulsa or if it was Beth Moore. I, I don't remember. They they, they kind of blend together yeah. sometimes in my mind. But yes, they do. It was, you know, it was a bunch of old older people, older ladies. And I think we probably, you know, we were just giving out some tracks. Because there were thousands of people there, and there's not really enough time to talk to somebody. There's thousands of people walking by, so we handed out thousands of tracks to these people. And I think we—I'd never seen old ladies so angry in their life. Over mm-hmm. the, I probably had about ten of those where I, I gave this lady a track, and she literally just like one lady like you know, almost ripped it up. <laughs> I'm a Christian. How dare you question me? And I'm like, well, wow. you're just a person walking down the sidewalk. I gave you a track. That's. You know? That's scary. I mean, that's, when some, when people react that way to professing Christians react that way to being given a gospel tract, that that reveals in them a level of pride that and yeah. arrogance that is that's truly scary. I, I don't think a regenerate person reacts no. to being. Why given. would you? I, I, Why I mean, would yeah. you? Let me correct yeah. myself. I know a regenerate person yeah. does not react that way. Well. Another example of that that I saw here in Tulsa is there was a it was a few years ago there was a Pride Festival. I went to the Pride Festival. I was sharing the gospel with people, and uh, I had four or five witnessing encounters with people you know that were homosexuals. None of them had ever heard the gospel before. Nobody was offended. They were all they never heard it. They had no idea um, anything about it. Mm-hmm. There was a Episcopalian lady preacher person, you want to call her that, who oh. just went ballistic. Okay, mm-hmm. and the track that I was using, you know, I don't 
when I witness to people, I don't contextualize the witness encounter differently just because of a particular sin. You know, if it comes up, we'll talk about it. Okay. Right. But the gospel is the gospel, whether the person is a homosexual or a Muslim or a Hindu, it doesn't, it's the I same know. Christ and him crucified. So the, the track doesn't talk about homosexuality at all because it's not a homosexuality track. It's yeah, just a gospel yeah. track. Right, right, right. And this lady took the track and she was looking for that. And of course it's not there because we have used that track a million times. And she goes, these people are trying to deceive you. And she's screaming, you know, and she was yelling and screaming at us. And uh, all the people that were there in the Pride Festival, they were really confused by this lady, why she was so mad. Because, mm. <laughs> but she was the one person there that was professing Christ, mm. but in a way that was illegitimate, obviously. Yeah. Okay, And the other people that were there were just pagans. They were just pagan people yeah. that yeah. were living a homosexual lifestyle that had never heard the gospel, at least the ones that I talked to. Right. Of course, after that, you know, then you know, it was a riot, so I was kind of had to leave. But that, because that, that, what she was teaching those people, and she had this big billboard out in front of her that I couldn't see initially, but was that they were apologizing for the church being against the homosexuals. Mm-hmm. Okay, but again, it was the Episcopalian minister lady, if you want to call her that, who was, I mean, out of her mind, angry. Yeah. Yeah, and not that. Yeah, it is. It is very telling. Very and, that, telling. and that's why I tell, you know, people ask me occasionally, and, and I'm sure you've had the similar conversations, you know, how do I share the gospel? Where do I share the gospel? Who do I share it to? And I tell them, I said, well, you'll find that if it's if it's pagan people, a lot of times it'd be a lot easier mm-hmm. and thus dangerous. Mm-hmm. Okay. And at least initially. But mm-hmm. if you go to people who have a have a have a profession of religion that they're very proud of that touches on anything regarding Christianity, it can easily get very, very vitriolic a lot quicker than you think it will. Yeah. And that's been my experience. Yep. Yep. Same, same yeah. here. Yep. I, I, that resonates with me. Absolutely. <laughs> well, um, Mike, thank you very much, brother. It's, um, you know, we've talked uh, about Todd Bentley and, and I would point out just kind of, as we wrap up here, uh, Todd Bentley, as as I tell people, you would have to if you can't tell Todd Bentley is a false teacher and a false prophet, you shouldn't be allowed outside of the house without adult supervision. I mean, this is a guy who is just so manifestly dark right. and and was proven to be that way back in 2008. And yet he was endorsed, heartily endorsed, heavily promoted by Stacy Campbell, by Patricia King, by John Arnott, by Shayon, by Rick Joyner, by Bill Johnson at Bethel Church. Yeah. And not only did they endorse him and promote him back in 2008, but after his sin was exposed, after people saw who he really is, then a few years later, I think it was like in 2015 or 2016, after this event, after I I called him out, um Rick Joyner and Bill Johnson endorsed him again. Yeah. I, oh, you endorse Todd Bentley. You have no business being behind the pulpit at right. all on any level. Get out of the pulpit. Yeah. Examine yourself to see if you're saved because I don't see how that you can be. No, there's no I way. Mean, you, there's no way. So no way. I, I have no problem saying Bill Johnson, Rick Joyner, are wolves. They are false yeah. teachers. If you can't tell Todd Bentley is a wolf, 
then and and you have no problem then then you yourself are one. I mean, yes. it's in, in a way I'm thankful that they do that because you know a lot of those individuals which are very dangerous to people in their theological heresies, they're kind of counterfeit. It's kind of hard to tell. You know, they're just—they're not as openly, obviously, right. Demonic. Some put on a better show. Than... Strategies, yeah. They're, they're, it's sort of a camouflage. They come in and they'll say things, even that sound. And some of them are correct. They'll say correct statements, and then they'll blend it in with a bunch of other nonsense. That's right. And so when they when they come out and they endorse somebody who is obviously heretical mm-hmm. and demonically influenced, if not possessed. Yeah. Then it's a blessing in a way because within you can see there's no discernment in this person. The Holy Spirit should be like Mordecai, you know, yes. uh, screaming at the gate, and and there's, there's not because the Holy Spirit ain't there. That's right, because he's you not know? there. He's not yeah. there. And I, you know, one of the I don't want to go on too much of a tangent here, Mike, oh, but sure. one of the things that strikes me, um, so Todd Bentley endorsed and then reendorsed after everybody knew who he was by these people, by Bill Johnson, Rick Joyner and others. And, um, and, and even other others who were supposed, supposedly more sane. Uh, it still took years and years to have a, a study, you know, we're going to have a full investigation to see if Todd Bentley is really qualified to be in ministry, like an investigation. He claims God. Yeah. I mean, he claimed, he claims God told him to kick an elderly woman in the face with his bike boot. Uh, no, he's not qualified to be in ministry. He's talking to Emma. He's talking to Emma. Yes. That's the end end of the conversation. (laughs) Right. I know. And, and these are the same people, Mike, that claim that God speaks to them regularly, gives them words of knowledge and yet, God, so let's talk Mike Bickle, uh, IHOP. This guy, we dangerous all now cult. know, what's that? A very dangerous cult. Very dangerous cult. So he, Mike Bickle was promoted, not just by the likes of Bill Johnson, but um, Dr. Michael Brown, yeah. Sam Storms. You know, these are much more respected, if you will, more intellectual Folks within reasonable. the Hispanic movement, reasonable. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and but yet Michael Brown and Sam Storms both claim that God speaks to them right. in a direct, quotable sense outside of Scripture. And Sam Storms, I know for certain because I heard him say this, and he's he's got it written that he he has been close personal friends with Mike Bickle for decades, yeah. served on staff with him. How is it that God talks to you, gives you words of knowledge? In fact, just not long ago on the Remnant Radio channel, I heard them mention that um, God gave Sam Storms a word of knowledge about someone's bum foot or something like that. Like, okay, no way. The cancer's bunion. So God gives you words of knowledge about stuff like that, but not Mike Bickle? Who this man was, it got, and he's surrounded. I mean, Mike Bickle was held up as this paragon of charismatic humility, and you know, uh, he's the real deal, and he loves Jesus, and 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 he's surrounded by and supported by thousands of charismatics. God didn't bother to give any of them a heads up, a little. Drop them a little word of knowledge about, or what even qualify Mike their Bickle support. You know, they could qualify their support and say, "I think Mike Bickle does a great job on Tuesday." But, but 
the false prophecies are a problem and all the other things are a problem. There's none of that. It's un- unqualified. Unqualified. You know, yes. uh, su- support is uh, fantastic. And they'll come, they'll on, there was one individual, I, they correct, I don't know for sure if it was Francis Chan, but I think it was Francis Chan that went there at one point. Okay. Mm-hmm. You did. Yeah, you did. On that. And, yeah. um, you know, we did that episode on the billion soul harvest. For, wait, wait, say that again. The billion soul <laughs> harvest. You're rubbing off on me. Mike Pickle is con- <laughs> contagious. It happens. I pop Pickle. So, but for these these young leaders of revivals that that are rising up, how do you steward that well, and 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 how can we learn from you? So we want to talk about those things. Are you going to attack Mike Bickle? Are you going to attack some of these expressions in the body of Christ that may look a little? Di- I'm just saying, dude, put that down. I've met these people and I see their hearts and I, and, and I, I hang out with people from these different denominations. I'm like, man, they love Jesus. It looks different from me, but I can see the spirit in them. So you, we better be careful. You know, how does that happen? Well, the reason how it happens is it's, it's God's grace to reveal that there's a problem with some of the individuals, even though they don't, aren't as extreme in their behavior. There's, you know, again... As a Christian, and you know this, you go around the world, you meet people. If 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 they're genuine Christians, there will be a, a lot of times an instant affinity, even if you barely know them oh. or don't even know them at all. If you start talking, if it becomes yes. obvious that you have another saint there, I mean, you, you may not be best friends for life, but you know, there's yeah, yeah. it's cordial almost immediately. Yeah, and the opposite is also true. Mm-hmm. You run across somebody and. You know, yeah. it doesn't matter what you do. It's like Joseph and his brothers had nothing good to say to him. Yeah. So how is it that these individuals with such power and so right. you know, these almost Pope-like speaking ex-cathedra, yes. especially what they're claiming that they're doing. That's right. Yep. Yep. Can't confront the adultery of some of these individuals or their their heretical nine-member godheads or any of the other crazy stuff that they're right. doing, you know, because yeah. they don't esteem the scriptures. Right. That's and right. they don't have the Holy Spirit. They have a spirit, yeah. <laughs> perhaps. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm struck by what we read in the in the book of Acts when we see real apostles. I mean, Peter, in Acts chapter 5, Peter did um, what real apostles do or did, and he goes up and he confronts Ananias and Sapphira yeah. to their face. He had apostolic authority. God was speaking to him, and he confronted Ananias and Sapphira uh, for lying to the Holy Spirit. And they dropped dead, and he he told them they would. Yeah, and he didn't debate with them about it either. There was no debate with them. There was no, you know, Peter didn't say, like, hey, Ananias and Sapphira just kind of got this. Hunch kind of on the not, edge. not really right, you know. Is is everything okay? No, he confronted. That's how a real apostle operates. And so let me. So so God can speak to the apostle Peter and and give him prophetic insight, if you will, into their lying, and they drop dead. Right. But today, you can literally be living a life decades long of sexual immorality even with openly nurse unrepentantly about it it's not like you know it's bad enough when it's a secret thing but those individuals it's not a secret thing they're quite proud of it they're not repentant about it they're not yeah and and god doesn't give any any of these charismatics a heads up hey 
there might be something going on with Mike Bickle, you know, behind the scenes. You might want to investigate. Nope. 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 No, no, Everything's no. fine. Nothing to see here. I think in a, in a big way, it's judgment on contemporary cultural Christianity, if you can call it Christianity at all, that God has allowed to reveal how bankrupt morally and spiritually it actually is, how gospelless it is, yep. you know, how it is moving in the energy of the flesh at best, if yep. it's not outright demonic. Yeah. So that the saints that are out there can be warned that, you know, just because something looks pretty and they talk about Jesus all the time doesn't mean anything. It's a, It could be the seven sons of Sceva that we're talking about, mm. you know, just usurping Christ's name for their own personal benefit or Simon oh. Bar-Jesus or, yes. you know, I'm, you know, it, all the show doesn't matter. Yeah, that's right. You know? That's right. And, uh, it's it's a blessing that we can see it at all, honestly. And and if God didn't give us grace to to, uh, to expose these individuals, you know, the deception would be more than any person could yeah. on their own power yep. figure out. And, and I mentioned this to other people before, and they talked about, you know, how do I discern a good teacher and a false teacher? I'm like, well, you have to do your due diligence, obviously. Be a good Berean about it. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, you have to – you can't go on your instinct of just what your heart feels like about this person as a person. They might be friendly to you. Mm-hmm. They might buy you dinner. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that their theology is sound. It doesn't mean that they're saved. The That's Pope right. might be friendly to people. That doesn't mean he's saved. That's right. That's right. What does he say? What comes out of his mouth? Yeah. You know, that's the fruit that he's bearing. Yeah. That's right. You know? And if you got a person in the pulpit and they're committing a, a, an adulterous affair, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Where's the Holy Spirit? Why yeah. are they being struck dead? <laughs> that's right. That's right. So, yeah, you know, I, I tell people when you're looking for a church, it's helpful to go to the church's website and look at their doctrinal statement that that can help. But what I have found, there's this doctrinal statement, apparently that thousands of churches have simply copied and pasted because I found the exact same doctrinal statement word for word on the websites of Baptist churches, Methodist churches, some Presbyterians, some Episcopals, if you can believe it, it's just copied and pasted. So you know, I hear people all the time say, oh, well, Joel Osteen, you know, he's got a good doctrinal statement. Well, I guarantee you he didn't write it. It's just, you know, look at the content of what a man actually teaches. Right. Look at the character of his life. Um, look at how he does church. You know, not doctrinal statements can be helpful, but. Sure. Not, but the cre- not but the- it, it, it can be creedalism. Yeah. You know, honestly, it could just yeah. be creedalism. You know, right. we've we've adopted this, but is that? Do you believe it? Are you are they living it out? Are they are they applying it or not? Is the question yeah. not just that they can put it on a website and say this is a doctrinal statement? You know, back in jolly old England, there were the Church of England and the Baptist churches at the time. They had doctrinal statements that were pretty sound in a lot of ways, but they didn't follow it a lot of times. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and yeah. you know, the, sadly, there was a lot of Baptists who were really, really offended with people going out to foreign countries and sharing the gospel because they gotten so far into just trying to figure out if people were elect or not that they had forgotten that there's a gospel they're supposed to share. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it's yeah. creedalism is is not the gospel, and Sorry. and church is not just an academic exercise where we come together to learn some theory. Mm-hmm. And some creeds, and be able to memorize scripture. You know, yeah. that's that's just 
it's a means of grace. God has given us obviously the scriptures, but is it is it real? I mean, that's what yeah, Edwards that's was talking about. This this yeah. Christ that you're talking about, yeah, is he there? Yeah, that's right. Has he changed your life? Are your desires different? Have your affections been changed? You know, or are real, you living like a demon? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. That's right. Watch your doctrine and your life closely. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and you, you and I are both five point Calvinists, and um, yeah, I mean, you and I have been all over the world. Preach. We've preached. I, I we've open air preached the gospel in some slums and some, okay. you know, Islamic areas. And um, but Calvinists, you know, we don't we don't we don't believe in evangelism. No, and, and you know what's funny about that is the way when I first when I was a baby Christian, mm-hmm. and uh, they asked me. Of course, and this is common in Southern Baptist churches, and not to pick on the denomination by itself, but this is what happens: is they wanted me to teach a class. I was not qualified by stretch of the imagination. Uh, yeah, yeah. At zeal. Um, and didn't know what to talk about. And I said, well, I had had a burden to go and share what I did know, which is just the gospel, just the core of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so I said, well, I'm going to share the gospel because you had all these people coming here to get free hot dogs and all this stuff, you know, blankets, but you're not sharing the gospel with them. I want to, I want to burn the gospel on the side of a hot dog and give it to them. <laughs> and the pastor there goes, Mike, he goes, you, you've been strongly influenced by Calvinism. I had no idea what he was talking about. Oh, I had funny. no idea what that meant. I had to go look it up. Oh, <laughs> like, funny. Wow. You know, so I, w- I was five, oh. you know, I was five point I, before I even knew what the terminology meant. Yeah, yeah. Because right. the doctrine is organically in the scripture. Yeah. You know, and then later, of course, it was refined. But, um, you know, there was a weird statement because he, he accused me of being like this, you know, hyper Calvinist. Like, and later I found out, like, hyper Calvinists don't share the gospel. Right. right. They would excommunicate you potentially out of your church if you were, if you were evangelistic. But in his mind, somehow, and he was a he was a disciple of Andy Stanley, just so you know. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. It didn't work out well. Yeah. But... Um, <laughs> so you know, people bring that up a lot. Yeah. Right? Right. And what I tell them is that look, you know, I sovereign grace. Yes, it's a, technically the five points. Yes, that that's that's what I believe the scriptures teach. But I wouldn't call myself a Calvinist because I'm not I'm not a millennial. Um, in my eschatology, and I don't believe in infant baptism. Right. You know, uh, you know, I'm a Baptist. Yeah. Okay. And, and a Christian, these doctrines are Christian doctrines. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we can talk about that all day if we want to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Satan labels the, yep. the theology, and he does so in a way that's that creates a straw man. Yeah, that's right. And that happens a lot. Yeah, so, that's right. Know. People ask me, well, are you a Calvinist? I'm like, well, define the term for me. Define we the term. Never, yeah. We can never define it. Uh-uh. They have no idea what that means. You know, the the soteriological arguments are the only thing that they understand. They don't understand those very well. Yeah. And so that's what I would encourage Christians right. to do. You know, you know, understand the terms at least before you yeah, exactly. you know, fight over it. <laughs> no, it's a it's a convenient term, you know, Calvinism or Calvinistic or whatever. And but uh am I a Calvinist? Well, yeah, exactly. Define that. What do you mean by that? And and yeah. it's become such a, uh, a misinterpreted, misused word. Yeah. Uh, John Calvin would not have even called himself a Calvinist. No, I was going to say he's, he's not a Calvinist either. Right. Right. So it's um yeah. But um, at any rate, well, well, Mike, thank you very much, brother, for your time. I appreciate it so much. And. Uh, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself here at the end. So you're you're an accountant. You're, that's your yes. tent making job. But right, I make accountant tents. 
Um, that, that is correct. And, uh, you know, I, I, we have a little church here that I pastor that we planted back in 2011, mostly out of desperation because we were, it's a long story, but we had a, we were going to a church which was theologically sound, but had an open theist within the congregation that the pastor was tolerating. And then there was a rapist, which that didn't turn out very well. You know, so a friend of mine suggested that we we plant. I'm like, we can't. I said, we're, we're not qualified to plant. We're not, we, there's no way that can happen. And I said, listen, the only way that we're going to plant is if they do 40 days of purpose or something. Okay. And I, the next week, in the mail from the church, 40 days of purpose. <laughs> they decided to do 40 days of purpose. Really? So we, we started considering it. We, and so eventually when we were, you know, we, we, we did, we planted oh. and, and God has always kept it very small. And, and I think that's good because it's, um, it's good in that. Well, other people like during COVID, I mean, there were so many churches and there were a lot of genuine Christians, you know, they, they stopped meeting. Yep. You know, they were worried about their budget. They were worried about the payroll. They were worried about the electric bill. They were worried about, you know, the government shutting them down. We didn't have any of those issues. We had none of them. Yeah. And what I found is if, if you just, by God's grace, preach the gospel, mm-hmm. goats will not stay. That's right. They're not interested. I mean, yeah. the, the, the tares will come and they'll leave quickly. And we've had, we've had some, yeah. you know, and they, they won't stay. There's nothing for them there. There's no, there's no, there's no, and we've kept it that we, we don't, we don't have church camp. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> go camping on your own. Bring your Bible with you if you want to, but don't don't drag the church into your camp. Okay, just go camping. Enjoy the nice weather. Thank God for the nice weather. Read your Bible at the campsite, but don't make it into the church's thing. It, yeah, just go camping. Okay, right. right. And uh, there's it's been a blessing. Yeah, it's not always been easy, but it has been a blessing. So there's a little bit of church out here, and we have a few members, and they come, and we, you know, we go, we yeah. the gospel, we go out, we do some evangelism when we, when we can do so, and um, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for that. Yeah, you know, and then and you're, you're the pastor. Yeah, and it's yeah. Grace Family Bible Church yes. in Sand Springs, Oklahoma, in the middle of nowhere. Okay, <laughs> yeah, um, we. we the, what we did is, you know, initially when we got started, you know, and me and a couple other brothers, and we would take turns, okay? And then they ultimately moved. They went to Jinx, and then they ended up prior, and so they left. And then it was other people that came, and um, we were meeting in a house for a long time. And then we basically, I said, well, we need a, we need a, we need a space. We need a sequestered space, you know, that can handle people and sure. stack the hymnals and so I bought the biggest shed that you can legally buy without getting the flashing trucks with the flags on them. Uh-huh. Got this giant shed, okay? Yeah. And they they hauled it into my front yard. Well, we have five acres. That's on the north side of it, and we 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 built it out. You know, uh, I'm not a good carpenter. I'm a better accountant than a carpenter. But we made, <laughs> and uh, it, it's it, it's work. It's a little spark. But, yeah. You know, it has a heater and it has an air conditioner, and we're happy with that. There you go. There you go. And um, you've got, you've still got a little bit of room, right? We do have a little bit of room. Yeah. A little bit we, of room. So yeah, we do have a little bit of room. So dear friends, if you, if you have, if you're watching and you happen to be in the sand Springs area and you are looking for a good church, or if you're willing to drive a little bit, uh, I can tell you, Mike Miller is a great guy. He's the real deal. He and I have been on many trips together. I think the world he's on my board of directors. And so, um, yeah, I appreciate him very much. So, um, 
if you're looking for a good church, um, I'll put the link down below to the website in the description. All right. All right. That's right. I appreciate that. God bless you too. Yeah. Appreciate you, Mike. God bless you. Todd, I want to close this video by making the same appeal to you that I've made to other false teachers. Benny Hinn, Kenneth Copeland, Sid Roth, Todd White, Jesse Duplantis, Creflo Dollar, Joel Osteen, others. I want to make the same appeal to you. Todd, I do not hate you. I do not hate you. I hate what you're doing because you have brought untold reproach upon the name of Christ. You have exploited people for your own personal gain. You have lied, faked signs and wonders, and brought untold reproach upon the name of Jesus. I hate what you're doing, but I do not hate you. Todd, if you were to die right now, you would go straight to hell. You are not a Christian. You cannot be indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God and do the things that you have done. You cannot be indwelt by the Holy Spirit and live live the life of unbroken immorality that you have lived for so many years. If you were to die right now, Todd, you would spend eternity in the lake of fire, and I don't want that for you. I want you to be found amongst the group of 2 Timothy 2, 24-26. Those false teachers that God in His merciful sovereign grace would extend to them true repentance. Grant them repentance. Todd, the bad news is, is that you're headed to hell. The good news, Todd, is that God has made a way for you to escape his wrath. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to this earth. Jesus was one person with two distinct natures, truly God, truly man. And this God-man, Jesus Christ, lived a life of perfect pleasure and satisfaction to God the Father. Jesus never broke any of God's laws. And then Jesus willingly laid down his life on the cross. His life was not taken. He gave it. And on the cross, this perfect person offered his perfect life as a perfect sacrifice to perfectly satisfy the perfect wrath of God. Died on the cross, three days later, bodily raised from the dead, proving himself to be who he said he was, God in human flesh. And Todd, if you will repent of your sin, turn from sin, and place your trust in what Jesus did on the cross, his atoning sacrifice, once for all sacrifice, if you will trust him and him alone and turn from your sin, he will save you. He will. Jesus says, the one who comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. If you come to Christ empty-handed, Todd, if you come to Christ in what the Bible describes as a godly sorrow over your sin, in which you seek a Savior not only from hell, which you should, but also a Savior from sin, if you grieve over your sin because your sin has grieved God, if you grieve over your sin because you Feel the weight of the incalculable reproach that you have brought upon the name of Jesus. He will save you. And if God grants to you the gifts of faith and repentance, Todd, if God grants these things to you, there will be fruit in keeping with that repentance. Your fruit will be evidenced 
by you coming out and publicly confessing your life of immorality, publicly confessing to people that you have lied to them, that you have faked miracles, faked signs and wonders, and you've lived a life of immorality, that you've brought untold reproach upon the name of Christ. Now, I'm not saying you have to do these things to earn your salvation, Todd, but this is what you will want to do if God truly saves you. Public teaching, public false teaching, requires public repentance. And if God grants to you that repentance, one of the fruits that it will bear, one of the evidences that that repentance has been wrought by the Holy Spirit in your life, is that you will realize you're not qualified to be behind the pulpit. You will shut your ministry down. Everything that your ministry owns, you will liquidate, you will sell, and give every dime of that to doctrinally sound ministries, doctrinally sound churches. And you'll find a good, doctrinally sound church that is led by biblically qualified men. And Todd, you will never again be behind the pulpit. You'll be in front of the pulpit, sitting in a pew, learning. And Todd, I want that for you. I don't want you to go where you're headed right now. I would love to be able to call you my brother in Christ, Todd. I would love that. And I'm not saying you have to do all these things to earn your salvation. No, no, no. That would be a work salvation. Not at all. But if God truly saves you, you'll have a new heart, new desires, new affections. And one of the things that you will desire to do is to make this right. Sell everything your ministry has. Never again step behind the pulpit. Join a good, doctrinally sound church. Learn. And then and only then will you begin to grow. And I truly do want that for you, Todd. Come to Christ empty-handed. Jesus says, the one who comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. All right, dear ones, thank you very much for watching. Until our next time together, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with you all. Thank you for listening to Didache. We hope that you were encouraged and edified by what you just heard. If you have a question or comment for Justin, or are interested in more teaching resources, or would like to have him come and preach at your church or conference, you may contact him at justinpeters.org.